Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm Tyler Barnes Diana, also known as TBD. <laughs> Why? Because I am still to be determined. And when I say determined, I mean not known, but uh, enthusiastic and uh, able and willing. Not known, but enthusiastic and able and willing. When I first saw TBD, I was like, you guys, that's already taken. It's already... You can't, you can't shorten to be determined. It already has a meeting. Yeah, you can't. Who, who said you could do that? What gives you the right? Did you have to sell that? Did they have to buy the rights off you, Tyler? I get a tenth of a cent every time anyone abbreviates to be determined as TBD. That's a tremendous amount of money. <laughs> yeah, that was going to say. Oh, <laughs> man, my, uh, my D&D party owes you some money. Because like, we were supposed to come up with a party name, and it's just come up multiple times where we need a name to call ourselves. And it just like on session two said, we're TBD. We'll figure out what that stands for later. <laughs> yeah i so i just like i owe you uh some amount of money um i'll work on uh, on figuring that out but uh for now it's um tbd i think we decided on like tatiana's uh bumbling degenerates or something uh, but you don't know who tatiana is Jim. no i i don't i, I love gonna... that name that's like one of my favorite names oh it's a, okay yeah. never mind it's a, it's a fey enough um, character in Dungeons and Dragons. Enough, Joe. You're the only one here who doesn't care about the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. You don't get to you don't get to just like direct the conversation away from it. We'll talk about it if we want to. You're 3 to 1 right now. I'm literally really fidgeting with a d20 dice right now. Wow. Joe knows all about polyhedrons. That's right. And That's... data. <laughs> I'm hoping that ultimately the logo for polyhedron data is a 20-sided polyhedron, um, which is for those, for for Joe, who is the oh, only one who doesn't on. know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, is probably one of, it's probably the most used die in Dungeons Yeah, see, Joe, it's used to determine, it, you add modifiers to it based on your character's abilities. Um, some of which are inherent and some of which uh, are by a roll of the dice earlier when you're creating the character. And you use this D20, as we call it, a die 20, uh, to uh, take make attack rolls or what is it called? Ecosahedron. Okay, yes. And it's Icosahedron. An Icosahedron. Icosahedron. I, I don't know. Somehow. Yeah. You use it for like when you're attacking enemies or saving from like a, a doing some feats of strength or dexterity. Uh, testing your knowledge on different aspects of the arcane and and historic events. Uh, it's very very commonly used. Mm. Sometimes used too much. Sometimes used too much. Sometimes you just got to tell the story, man. You know. Why? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, I've looked up polyhedron and. There's definitely some interesting things that came up on Google Images. Polyhedron, rule 34. Was that your first suggestion? <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, like... I mean, Google just auto-completes that for me. Does it not do that for you? Literally, rule 34. <laughs> Debatably the third. 
If you're man. brave, Sad- the first. Sadly, our website does not come up for me when I Google polyhedron. Yeah, obviously it Takes not. time. You guys got to work time. on that SEO. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to start writing you blogs and just like put put some like nonsense articles with just hot terms in there that people that are that are curious about polyhedrons? Is that type? <laughs> <laughs> That's something you want to do? I'll just write you an article that's just talking about how each individual die is used in Dungeons and Dragons, but like just use the polyhedron name for each of them so that anyone searching polyhedron or any variation thereof, they'll just, it'll, it'll come across your thing. And we'll just like post the same like 10 articles on rotation that just have various polyhedron names in them. I'm basically a marketing specialist, honestly. Right, right, right. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. So for the listeners who might not know, we now have Joe and myself, our hope, well, I don't know if I should announce this to to the world. Tell us, tell us. We're um, the world. Well, uh, so we are the children. Th- we were, yeah. I mean, twenty sided die. Interesting. I, I like the name icosahedron, um, and just generally like polyhedrons. I think it's a. I think it's a good. It's a good name for the, the data analysis business that you're starting, Tyler. Yeah, the idea was a uh, polyhedron data. The slogan being for many sided problems. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. The hope is ultimately that I am going, once I finish my dissertation, to start this uh, data science company. Um, And already there is a website up for those of you who are listening to the podcast and want to see a website in development. If you go to polyhedrondata.com, you'll see the beginnings of a website. It'll become much more flushed out in the coming weeks and months. Um, and ultimately it will be a place where clients will be able to upload data and look at some basic data visualizations, maybe ultimately not so basic data visualizations of their data. Um, a place where you can find all sorts of stuff and, and upload files. and Yeah, so that's that's uh, one of the sort of prongs of this yeah. of this. Just be careful with so. uh, clicking the links to the... <laughs> Uh, forest cover tab, yeah, as well so, as the rule thirty four tab. What, stay, wait. If you if you got a weak constitution, stay or clear of those two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The data visualization one, uh, it's a the forest cover is a large amount of data and it shows it. It's not like a large amount of data that like uh, just avoids wearing horizontal stripes. Like it's it's very clear that it's a large amount of data. You get so many uh, key like tags, like for all the various, uh, all the various uh, content under the rule 34 tab of your polyhedron <laughs> data website. It's like striping and, you know, just like heaps and heaps of data. Tell anyway. me more. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. That joke is, can only go so far that uh, I think this is it. I mean, Yeah. You're, I once heard a Dungeons wrong. and Dragons podcaster refer to the eight-sided die as two D fours ass to ass, and I, that's <laughs> one of the fucking things I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's the D eight? Uh, it's two D fours ass to ass. <laughs> uh, 
It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Would it be two <laughs> D5s, though? Just saying. Yeah, I didn't want to. <laughs> I was thinking oh, that, too. D5s. No, wait. No, 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 no. Hold on. Let me pull out my. Oh, my dice are downstairs. It's, it's two pyramids, and D4s are triangular pyramids. Right. Yeah. So that would be. that would Yeah, that's essentially a D6. Yeah. So, yeah, it would have been. What's the D? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be like each side is going to lose a face to the interface. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, yeah. to get to eight, it's two D fives. Gotta love the D one. But there isn't a D five. That's I'm mixing up the dice, but there's one that you can put a ass to ass. It's wait. What? Or what's a, what's I'm just realizing D1? that the joke sounded funny. No, it's just a ball. Oh, when you roll a D1, <laughs> it's, it's uh, you usually roll. <laughs> you I open mean, you they're, open they're, a singularity and get <laughs> sucked <I'm> <laughs> into the actual world. Yeah. D1 is because I said so. Because yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. there's one option. D1 is when it's extremely necessary for the story to continue. It went over my head for a second. I was about to give you an explanation of something that's like completely different. And because uh, I'm an idiot, but oh. I'm going to explain it anyway. But there's things like you can roll like a D2 I'm going to double D3. the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not what doubling down is, Joe. Anyway. Uh. Uh, <laughs> like you could roll a like things can call for like a D3 or a D2 and you just like take a six or a four and cut it in half. Right. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. Or flip but a coin for a D2. Yeah, a I was going to say your D3s, they make them. They're, uh, it's a triangular prism and you just kind of roll it. Have you ever? Oh yeah, those are cool. Have you ever um, seen uh, object shapes shapes of constant size or width or something? Oh yes, I've seen this before. Shapes of con a no curve of constant that. width, according to the the page here. It's a simple closed curve in the plane whose width, the distance between parallel supporting lines, is the same in all directions. Uh, it, so it's a, this is a des- description of it as a curve. It can also be a solid. Um, but what it is is it's a shape that, although not round, is the same width at all opposing points. So it behaves as though it is round to us because it is always the same width. So, like, the height stays constant as it rolls. You know what I mean? Kind of. I'm having a hard time visualizing how this exists, yeah. and it's not just a sphere. This is, I got a um, I got a GIF coming your way in a second if my computer Perfect. wants yeah. to oh. cooperate. Yeah, let that GIF rip letter rip. It's, a, it's just a website Hold on. where is it is it a gif or a website it's it was a website that if you scroll down a little bit it has a gif how's it coming uh, oh right. via text where where's it coming uh the where chat is it coming? on skype skype on oh, Skype, this, does Skype have a message? Ew. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Ew, gross. Of all the ways we can send messages. Yeah, by God, Blake. Um, <laughs> I just puked in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> God damn it, Bobby. <laughs> Do I look like I know what a GIF is? <laughs> 
I just want a picture of a really confusing curve. Yeah, isn't that wild, right? Oh, ooh, ah. Yeah, it's odd. It's very odd. Oh, I see. Yeah, wild, right? They're all the same. Yeah, so it's constantly the same width. So, you know, that weight on that board sitting on top of it, like that can just, Oh boy! you know. Oh, yeah, because it's like, oh, when you see it rolling, because mm -hmm. you're going from, I see. Uh, yeah, all right. So I got a... Um, So, so recently, when I say recently, um, just before uh, Christmas, uh, Riss and I made a purchase, and we we bought a cooking robot, kind of robot. Wait, kind what? Of cooking. Wait, okay, yeah. all right, all right, wait. Where did you buy it from, and why, why was it Brookstone? It was so. <laughs> um, so it's this device, and it's not. You, it's it's called the sous vide, but it's not a sous vide like what a chef uses. It is the name of a device that is both a refrigerator and a oven slash multi-dimensional cooking apparatus that you can put in starches and meats and veggies and then you can leave them in there all day and then you can hit a button on your phone and it'll just start to cook everything and everything is done all at once. So it's so like that, an instant wow. pot with Freon in it. Yeah, but we haven't even... So it's just one compartment? No, so so it's like it looks like a very tall toaster oven, and then you attach to it a you attach to it a uh, this sort of a vessel that you could cook rice and pasta and other like things of that nature in it, um, and so it kind of looks like a very like I said very tall toaster oven which like with like a blender next to it. Um, it's way too big. It's way too cumbersome. And we've only taken half of it out of the box, and we really regret that we ever bought it at all. <laughs> oh, I hate that that's the moral of the story. Yeah. That was like, yeah, it was like is robots. It, Where, you know. Is it advertised as a cooking robot? No, it is. Like, it, what is a robot, right? right? Like, I don't know if that constitutes a robot. I don't know I if it constitutes a robot sort of either. Does a robot need a move to be a robot? I mean, like, when you I say. I think robotic. By definition does right i think so i mean it it's got to move but like the wait does that not move like does there's no, no it, there's no agitation there's at be, all i mean there's definitely something that moves in there to like help cook the starches stuff but i mean it's just a fridge and uh an oven kind of built into one but it's more of the intelligence that it's able to determine the weight of the products and the time it'll take for said products to cook and so that everything when you hear the ding everything is done at the same exact time so i was wondering if the level of 
uh, processing that it's doing to be to make all those calculations to create a full dinner in um, at the same time does that count as you know I I think being a robot? I think I think we've got the to draw the distinction I I think no I think a robot does need to be able to move and right like I think there's got to be motion as a main part of its job what about like um smarter child like the arms yeah like smarter child no like the arms on a like a on a 3d lathe or whatever like the big robot arms that build cars and shit like that i that's where yeah i was that's exactly where i was gonna go i am unclear right i'm certain that it must move as a major part of its function I am on the fence about whether it must be mobile as opposed to stationary. Yeah, I don't think it needs to be mobile. I think I think it can be stationary. Um, I just I just feel like it has to be able to determine things for itself and move. Like I when I think of a robot. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I have to take this call. I'm so sorry. Please go on without me. So when I think of a robot, I what I think of as sort of the exemplar of a robot, um, and that's like sort of a different way of defining something than the boundary conditions. But I think of sort of the exemplar. I think of something that moves around, interacts with the world, and maybe even to some degree can learn. Roombas. See, a Roomba, though, doesn't really learn. But it learns, it learns the layout of the room, right? Some of them. Some of them. Oh. Yeah. Like, I've got, I've got a dumb one, which I actually really like. And... Uh, Maybe I'm overly cautious about my data, but I feel weird about a company owning the no. intelligence that mapped my house. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, but well, yeah, so mine's they, just dumb. But they it don't just own bumps that information, shit. right? It has a little pressure plate on the front of it, and it just goes around stuff. Yeah, just like it bumps. If it if the pressure plate is activated, it backs up a little bit, turns a little bit, and goes again until and then repeat until clear of obstruction yes so i guess so a Roomba in, in wouldn't that count. process it creates a map yeah so it, well, it's creating a map but it's it's still no, not no mine does gyms not. is not there's yeah there are some that will create a map there are some that have lidar sensors on them and will just you know create a map that they can essentially update in real time like there's different ways of accomplishing that same task, some of which involve some amount of learning, others of which do not. Hmm. Yeah, mine doesn't have any, like, sensors, like, that are eyeballs. You know, mine just has, like, has the... Right, it would... It, it, it goes forward until it hits a thing. It wouldn't need to do... decides it, what to do. Yeah, it wouldn't need that to be able to learn the space, but more importantly, it doesn't yeah. learn the space. Yeah. So, Tyler, what would you consider a prime example of a robot? Well, I guess, like, in the what I just described, a Roomba that, even if it just bumps into something and then turns and then goes again, that creates, in the process of moving around, 
a map of a space would be considered a, like to meet that sort of exemplar. Mm. But I guess the thing the thing about that that doesn't feel quite right to me is that it's it's performing a particular task. You can't say to the Roomba like um do something in particular. It's got buttons on a remote that like you can hit like just go in a circle right here because I made a mess right here. Yeah, or, like yeah, just the, do the perimeter of. But the you room. can't just say like uh, stand here and tell me if something bumps into you, or like like maybe there's uh, some limited number of instructions that you can give it through some like button interface or something. But I think about like when I think about robots, I often think about the Star Wars robots, which like can take in information in a variety of forms, be it like digital or like someone can say something to it and give it a set of instructions mm. that doesn't necessarily match a specific set of instructions that's been given before, and it can make some inferences about and guesses and sort of yeah. can understand what it's been being asked in some sort of abstract way yeah. and make some sort of action based on that. Um, and maybe that's way too specific of an idea of what a robot is. But when I think of robots, I think of things that can do that. Like you can tell it to do something that it's never done before, yeah. and it can guess what you're trying to ask it. I know that like we tend to do this a lot with like trying to define the thing that we're talking about, right? And you know, like in terms of like what is a commune, like right? We, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. half that episode was talking about what that was. You know, I think you know a robot there probably is just like an explicit written down definition and that's you know that's great and and all but yeah but um, every definition you've ever read was just some person's reckon about what the thing is yeah so like i guess i'm i'm wondering like i like i agree with you tyler like when i'm thinking about like you know the things that are technically robots like my roomba that like is kind of a dumb version of itself like it's I definitely think that that is too many definitions, a robot, but I also don't know if that's like that fun or interesting to talk about. What I'm interested in about what this topic is, is what you're saying. Like the things that start to like, you know, what is essentially between where we're at now and C3PO, you know, and like being a reality and whether that's like, you know, is that a back to the future flying cars in 2015 type thing? Or is that like, a you know a realistic expectation that there's going to be you know autonomous sort of walk around or roll around things that do uh that do learn and like perform tasks and aren't like a single purpose machine have you you seen have you seen the cooler delivery robots cooler delivery yeah yeah, like the like delivering coolers, or they, they are, are cooler than other delivery methods. <laughs> <laughs> is that like the name of the company? No, no, nope. oh, okay. it is a little. Literally oh, it's like it's the that robots that deliver they, your food and stuff. Yeah, right? it's a little cooler that they stuck a robot under, on and under, and it, it it's got a little screen that has eyes on the front of it. Some of them, um, you know, for cutesiness, uh, and it rolls around basically goes to a restaurant they put your order in it and it drives it up to you on campus that's cool i wonder if they'll ever like you know 
uh, put a screen on the back of it too, and just put an image of an anus there, like a you know, like a cat butt with just like the tail. Sometimes it's like right up, and you're just like, "There's a butthole." Great, like definitely needed to see that. It's just a printed asterisk. Yeah, but it's enough. right. Yeah. yeah, it's clear. You know, clear what it is. I mean, you know, if they're putting eyes on it, why not the other eye? Yeah, precisely. I saw in um And then if you own one you can get like those those real shitty things that like people do to their cats, which I think is awful, is like they have these little jewels that you just like hang on the cat's tail like a piece of jewelry and just like covers their anus. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, yes. I think it's a joke yes, mostly. But like I think and it's like a loose little like necklace you know, that goes right. around a cat tail. Yeah. So, so <laughs> it's it's funny because those things are probably uh, essentially interchangeable with wine glass identifiers and sold to the same audience. Yeah, honestly, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, how do we double it's dip it. in this one particular yeah. demographic? Yeah, if you uh, if if we're creating an Instagram prof- profile, like uh, advertising <laughs> profile for this person, you definitely have those two things. Show me more like this. <laughs> the wine glass, like the wine glasses that say like stupid shit on them. Like, yeah, the, 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 the like the, don't the talk wa- to me till I've had my wine or something. Yeah, <laughs> like the the wine bottle glass that has a sized glass that has the writing on the side side that says I only had one glass or. I'll only have yeah. one glass, you know. It's the shape of a of a cat, and the anus is like just like <laughs> just moves into a big wine glass, and the bottom is the size of a whole bottle of wine, but it's a cat. But it's a cat. But the wine goes from a, a holding area, otherwise known as a bottle, to the drinking yeah. area, otherwise known as a cup, through a small orifice that is perfectly molded after Jim's cat's anus. Don't talk about my cat. <laughs> except a robot does it. Yeah, except it's a robot. <laughs> Does anyone remember there was like someone made some kind of like walking robot and it had this like cute little face? It didn't move very well. It was like a something like ten years ago. Someone came. It was out Honda. With it. Honda. Honda robot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. T- Tyler, did you ever see the thing? Yeah. Uh, oh wow! That's yes. it. Yes. It was roughly the time that I was working, that I was interning at Honda, actually. Um, it was in a separate building, but they were working on, I don't know if it ever got up and running, but they were working on like a cafe in part of the Fundamental Research Institute. I only went through it a couple times. Um, like it wasn't part of my regular path. Um, probably you needed some special access to get in that area, but they were working on like some little I don't remember the details either so this might be a little bit wrong I'm going to qualify with that but in my memory they were working on some like little cafe where the robot would serve drinks Asimo. Did, um, did they do they not did they give up on the um there's a 2018 model do people have it can you buy it I don't see a buy now button on the website so Damn. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I don't know that much about it though. It was like I found I, things seemed fairly siloed there. Like the, they seemed to work on a ton of really cool stuff in the Fundamental Research Institute, but um, and I know that they worked on that cute little robot there, but I I don't know the details of so they the other right. stuff they worked there. 
or how far they got along right. in the project. I'm going to just go ahead and post uh, a link to the website because, man, this is a blast from the past. Like, they might have ha- come out with a 2018 model, but they didn't update the website when they did. Phew! <laughs> go look at that. I'm going to put it in the show notes. This is going in the show notes. Not Skype? Nope. That <laughs> was an absurd thing for you to have done. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. So I'm going to save that link and then probably also Oh wow. Yeah, look at that it website. It has the Look at the YouTube. I know. Look yeah. at that. Is that is that great? And they've got like all the pictures just like pop up in like a very like It's a, it, a this very actually small thumbnail. Because it's like, it would take way too much bandwidth if we were to load the full res image here. Let's just have a little pop-up and let them download it. This makes me kind of sad because if you asked me back then, it's like, oh, man, this is cool. Like, in 10 years, these robots are probably going to be, like, in nursing homes helping out with staff, if there's staff limitations or something. You were not thinking that 10 years ago. Ten, what the, the, maybe not the nursing home part, but right, I thought yeah. some rich yes. person could uh, have it. Sure, yeah, sure, sure, you know? definitely, definitely. I thought people could and maybe there would be it. one in nursing homes. I feel like that was part yeah, of the marketing no, I'm not, strategy. I'm not saying robots. that that isn't a primary like use case or that it's not a good idea. I'm saying that a 20 year old is not thinking about robots that way. No, I was thinking about shooting lightning through laser beams. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> and I and no, I do I realize think, that that's I a think euphemism. That was an expectation ten years ago of where we'd be now with robots. <laughs> we'd be further along, and that they'd be part of yes of yes absolutely. Like I think I like there's a couple things there too, though, because I think that it was absolutely a part of my thinking. But I also think that there is a bit of that that also comes from being twenty, right? Like you haven't seen. Like you haven't been excited about something on the horizon only to blink and it's seven years down the line and there's been no progress in your life yet, right? Like at 20, you haven't really experienced that. And now here we are talking about experiencing that exact same thing in a way that I think very much has an impact on how we view new ideas that get that kind of excitement from folks that haven't you know, been through that 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 experience that cycle i guess but there's also been a ton of progress in some respects like exactly yeah i just recently got a two terabyte solid state drive that's about the size of a floppy disk yeah it's a it's in it's a insane it's incredible so i mean we're we're in and like our in, in, within our lives we've seen this explosion of cell phones from basically not existing or being like huge objects to like like briefcase sized things when we were tiny little kids, not a part of everyday life to now um, them being like what would have been considered when we were kids, like supercomputers almost. Right. Yeah. But there's like, there is such a, I think gulf between the change that was wrought by cell phones coming and smartphones in particular. And I'm not at all saying that there hasn't been deep and dramatic change i'm am however saying that that deep and dramatic change 
pales in comparison to the necessary amount of change that would have led to humanoid robots being a regular part of our lives within that 10-year time frame. Even stupid ones. Yeah. Like if Yeah, well and I think also like some of this stuff like the idea of you know the 80s idea of like uh the Jetsons robot like pushing a vacuum around. Love it. You know. It's like okay. That was like some idealistic thing that was created for a children's cartoon in the 70s or 80s or whatever. But like a Roomba is a way better thing for that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It's like yeah. you have a, a one thing that is like this tiny little compact thing that like you don't need to store a big vacuum it just like runs around your house that's it yeah it's like that's a simple much more simple solution than uh you know whatever that thing was called uh rosie rosie yeah. to a degree though because you know there you, you look at the you see with the smartphones where you know it's all these different devices that you know 15 13 years ago you would have had individually now they're grouped into one single device and now you can essentially do the same thing with the person well not now i'm saying but eventually the idea is that you would eventually do the same thing with the robot is that like now you don't need to buy a roomba that robot can just use your old vacuum cleaner and so now it's using you're getting multiple uses out of the one robot you know it's able to help you with the stuff that you've already invested in yeah yeah i just think that like if you're at the level of getting a thing that runs your vacuum for you like you probably don't have your own old vacuum anymore. you know what i mean like if you're gonna spend yeah true if costs, you're if you're know? rich enough for a robot yeah. yeah yeah you know like i i see things like loading a dishwasher or whatever like cool if a robot could do that that'd be great you know like i already have a dishwasher machine that does the dishes well like but you still have to physically put them in there <laughs> or like wipe well that's off the thing with the, like, like the like the flintstones robot right like it didn't just push the vacuum i don't think no it didn't, didn't it also yeah. like deliver drinks and stuff like the idea is that to me a smart robot like the jump in intelligence is when it can do multiple different things you can give it a different attachment or a different tool and you don't have to download a new set of like code for it to use it you give it a vacuum you tell it you it you tell it what you want it to do with that tool clean the house with this cleaning tool and it figures out how to use it I mean, this is the jump in intelligence, in artificial intelligence, and like linked to machinery that I think is going to be what is going to end up being behind really actually useful multi-purpose robots. It's not going to be the single the single use robots like Roomba. Right. It's going to be something more like the Flintstones robot, where you can give it whatever kind of attachment. Either you give it your old vacuum around the house, or you buy a vacuum attachment and a. And with its hands, it can pick up trays or um, give it a lawnmower attachment, and it can oh, mow the that's lawn. A nightmare like, I, I imagine right like a robot, semi-intelligent <laughs> robot with a fucking lawnmower attachment. All right, I, <laughs> with I, any I, attachment, you can plug anything into it. I just want to stop uh, here for a moment and pause and make sure that we are clear that Rosie was an important personality on the Jetsons. She was, uh, had emotions. She had uh, character lines. You know, she, I just don't, I, you know, I don't want to reduce Rosie to a sim, a simple autonomous automaton meant to be of service to us. True. 
Yeah, no, that's that's what are, true. What are that's the, true. what are these? The slave androids of Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> Some kind of bullshit. I'm gonna drop a link here to Measure of a Man. Uh, Perfect. From a <laughs> Star Trek: The Next Generation, where they put Data on trial for whether or not he has autonomy, and whether uh, he's a possession of Starfleet. All right. Oh wow. Um, uh, the Bicentennial Man is a similar is with Robin Williams. I think if I'm remembering the name of the movie is a great movie that gets into the same idea. But that one is different though because he had that one's more of like a. So with that movie, he had his various parts of his body slowly replaced so that he became um, almost organic. Like he was given organs and stuff to the point where he he transitioned from being a regular android to being Robin Williams with robot guts. So is that the case? Yeah, I thought, I thought that that was the argument he made. Spoilers in like the final judgment scene. Where I thought he was fully robotic, but but in when he was talking about his humanity, he sort of brought up that point, like what percentage of someone has it, to be replaced for them to no longer be human. It was kind of. But I thought that he was fully print, like fully three D printed. No, so so he started off metal, and then what happened was is that um, Sam Neil and his family started to get concerned because when there was like some kind of problem, they. Uh, they needed to like bring in Robin Williams' robot in uh, to to uh, do work on him, and they wanted to make sure that his personality wasn't going to be altered in any way because they had considered him a genuine part of the family, and he had. From, this is going. I haven't seen this movie in over fifteen years, but I remember him like he was slowly learning what it meant, like how to pick things up gently and. And what it meant to, like, love something and care about something and started to create art. Like, he got into wood carving, and he wasn't just, like, making an idea that someone else had given him. He was coming up with his own artistic thought. And and then right. eventually, to be considered human, he had to get all of these parts replaced, and he ends up dying after 200 years of life. And he becomes the first bicentennial. Hmm. It feels like we probably ought to have watched this movie. Watched it's this... probably not that great. <laughs> yeah, but still, I think we should. It is an interesting concept, yeah. though. Yeah. Uh, can we make a homework to watch this movie. and uh, Measure of a Man? Like, yeah, we could. We could have a, a bit of follow up. Uh, a little bit of follow up. A little bit of follow up at the beginning of. Next. I don't think it's the last time we'll be talking about robot sentience. You know, personal liberties. Yeah. And on, and on Tyler, real quick, I, I, I remember it, it's one of those ones where it's like, I remember enjoying it, but I never see it talked about ever. So I do wonder, it's like, I don't know how much it would hold up on a rewatch because there's some movies like that I remember being like, oh, this isn't that bad. And then I watched them again and I was like, oh, my God, this movie is painful to watch. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Robin Williams, Patch Adams, I was forced to sit through that in health class after not seeing it for forever holy crap that is the most hallmark awful puke inducing movie that i had seen in a long time it was painful like i get it like he's a great guy and it's a cool message but it's just told in the worst possible way okay so do we 
you know, do a little mashup here, and we we cut together the movies Patch Adams and Bicentennial Man into an edit that makes it appear to be one absurd movie. Is that a no. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's possible. Patchman. <laughs> the, 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 the what is the what's the premise man. of pa- uh, Patch Adam? Uh, well, I don't know what that is. Patch I, I've Adam, heard the name. He's but. he's a real person who became a doctor, and he, as far as I remember, he wanted. He was basically because doctors for free aren't real people. Care. You heard that? You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're actually robots, and they've yeah. been with us this whole time, slowly revealing themselves through Living popular media. Us. He was he was trying to give people free healthcare, and it's the story about that. And he's a cool guy. Oh, he nice. actually named one of his kids Atomic, which is great because it's a, both a weird name and can be made into a normal nickname. Adam, what's his what's his normal? Oh, Adam. Wow. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, of course. No, it, uh, what? <laughs> no, it's no, it's <laughs> Mick. Yeah, Atomic. Mick. Yeah, Mick. Yeah. Oh, it could but. be Adam, Tom, or Mick. Right. Yeah, Adam's that's true. The, the correct choice, though. But yeah, he was just, he was just trying to give people free health care. No, very normal person. The real life one. Yeah, I thought I was pretty sure that was an offensive name, uh, word. Okay, um, carrying on. A uh, Mick? Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's a it's a it's seemingly. Isn't it a nickname for Mitchell? I thought it was a derogatory thing towards Irish people. Yeah, Blakey got it. Oh. Okay, well, I apologize to your people. I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't know that either. Oh, I mean, actually, it's kind of a lie that my family's Irish. I think <laughs> of Irish descent because they they came they were Scottish and then they moved to Ireland. I'm pretty sure they were in Ireland for like less than two generations before the potato famine happened, <laughs> and then they moved to Canada. That's Irish enough for Boston, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. what? Uh, I mean. This really does get to uh, previous conversations we've had. Like, you know, what does it mean to be a part of? Like, where's the uh, where's yeah. the tr- where's the one true unadulterated time where history began? Right, like uh, about twenty thousand and twenty-two years ago. No, I'm kidding. Oh boy, <laughs> twenty thousand and two. 22 years ago at uh, the beginning of the agricultural right, age right. yeah i mean i'm just talking about human history but yeah that, i too have seen kurtz Kazat. Really yeah exactly I, I too watched the german youtube boy isn't it like 10 million years ago or something that uh bipeds started cooking things no uh, i, I believe know. two million years ago is when the first uh upright what i think is as old as lucy and then about 200,000 years ago is when the first Homo sapiens appeared. Let me see. The internet will sort us out on this. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure dating on that stuff is like we're currently in a in a uh, time where the technology surrounding like dating, you know, remains of things is changing. Yeah, the, it's still a crime. Uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> What's still a crime? <laughs> Dating remains of things. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Fossils of early humans who lived between, oh, okay, six and two million years ago came entirely from Africa, 
Most scientists currently recognize some 15 to 20 different species of early humans. Uh, scientists do not all agree, however, about how these humans are related or which one simply died out. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're all dead. Um, I had, I heard. I think they're talking about you know like there's the a through line the, in the genealogy versus a a branch that died off. The never ending uh, chain of. Never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, um, it's always back to the human centipede. <laughs> What's a robot Amazing. centipede? I've never seen the sequel, but I love the idea of the sequel. It's so perfect. I. The, What's the idea of the so sequel? So the sequel is it's about a... A guy who is inspired by the movie The Human Centipede to make the human centipede real life. Oh, that's good. Oh that's very God. that's that very good. good. That's yeah. actually very good. That's I'm pretty like, sure there was like wow. even subsequent films because I remember seeing like the the cover art or whatever of one where it was just like a long train of like fifty people just like disappearing into the distance. Oh my god. Is that number three? I think there's I three know. of them. It's, it's, uh, I haven't seen it. I, don't oh, intend I, to I saw either. the first one. It's exactly as you would expect it to be, right? I, I haven't yeah. seen it, but I feel like there's no way it is at all surprising. No. In any no. way, shape, or form. It's it, like, is, it is torture porn in its purest. Yeah. Like, what if we took all of the barriers that were broken down by the Saw movies and just fucking sent it and when i say sent it uh, that's short for centipeded it yeah hmm. just uh just want to say to saw i believe saw one and saw six good movies <laughs> i know those like i know it's like what happened between two and five hot takes over yeah. here <laughs> saw one there is no, like, the torture porn part of it, it's, like, almost non-existent. They, like, they're, like, blurring everything, and there's, like, one intense scene in the beginning of the movie, and that's pretty much it. So a six is definitely leaning into the whole look at this crazy nonsense aspect, but there's actually an interest, like, it's told well. Like, the story is told well, so it makes it a very... All right, when watchable when, horror movie. Is there a saw like movie that the the antagonist is a robot? Okay. Um, like a bloodthirsty robot. I, I don't I, I don't know. Like there I'm sure there, <laughs> there yeah. should be. So all right, I just want to I just Isn't that called Terminator? Nice. There it is. <laughs> Ding. Um okay, wait. I just wanted to see what the spread here was between Saw 1 and Saw 6. Um the answer is five years. What? <laughs> it's funny what? because I was going to say Joe was six, six months. One <laughs> 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 what could the spread be between six and one? I mean, can we just sit here and figure I this can't out for a bit? It was actually five yeah. years. Five years, though, right? So. Holy crap. They were. One they, yeah, they were busy. They were busy, 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 busy. Um, a robot could do more. Um, yeah, a robot. I mean, cold. 
just were there more calculating. It was six the last one? No, there was actually a prequel made that came out in 2020, 2021 called Spiral, the book of Saw, oh, starring Chris Rock as the detective. Oh, very good. Very good. Did did a robot oh, slap yeah. him? <laughs> Breakout role. I was trying so hard to find a slapping joke in there, but you did a joke. So. <laughs> All right, so there was... Saw 3D came out in 2010, and then there was an 3D. eighth film that was released in 2017 called Jigsaw. Is there a is there a 4D version that like makes you feel the puppet's breath down your neck and shit? Puppets don't breathe, dude. Uh, just gonna read the oh. RT scores right now, just so you know. So the first Saw, 51 percent. You love it or you hate it. Saw 2, 37, 3, 29, 4, 19, 5, 13, 6. It's going to be like zero, right? 40%. Huh. Huh. So you're not alone. Pretty consistent with your... I'm pleasantly surprised to see that, yeah. All right. I have no intention of watching any of them. But do you not, know what? Not because I don't trust your movie recommendation, but because I'm not. Oh no! Th- I mean, that, yeah, uh, th- it's definitely. It's like that is not. I don't even know why I, I watched it. To make me yeah, feel yeah, I, I don't personal. blame you. I don't understand. Like you look back and you're like, why did I yeah, watch those? Exactly. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Like, like I don't get why that was like. Why were they movies that people that they could make year after year after year and people still made them? Yeah, like how did that happen? How much is there to flesh out flesh out there? <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> but really, like how much of the human psyche do you need to explore with like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you don't. You don't. You don't. But there, he, you're not really, you know, by, by a certain point, it just like there were like reoccurring characters and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there is an aspect to I always try to remember this, like it, 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 stealing cribbing from another uh, saying that every day there are people born, a lot of people born who've never seen the Flintstones. And it's like. Or the Jetsons. It's really way more. Um, uh, it gets really hard to project your experience in any reasonable way, right? Like you have come to where you are through a very particular path, and that path, like who does, who's to say that if we had never, like if we grew up in a different time where that wasn't like a, a, a common media property and then we're introduced to a similar, like what if the idea and the buzz around saw happened seven years later? Like would we still have not at all been interested because of our age or like is our primary feeling right now about it being a strange thing um, that, uh, we have been through it. Like is our judgment as we sit here now 
determined in a lot of ways by the path that we took. And actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I uh, so, sorry, but I wanted to read this, and I, I'm gonna go ahead and do it if uh, you'll indulge me. It's a message that I wrote to Tyler. Um, I won't read the whole thing, but I will read parts of it. Give me a moment to pull it up, and I'm going to dominate the airspace until I do by talking and talking and never stop. Not if we don't let you, Joseph. I know. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't think actually that – I I think that there's something kind of universal about the reaction to a movie like the Saw movie, Um, the Saw movies. I think that's part of why – they're hated by so many and part of why they're popular right. because they are designed to create a feeling of revulsion, I think. Right. Um, and what I'm saying, and I think, I think that that would be true. Like, I think people can get sort of desensitized to things and maybe there's some cultural desensitization that maybe now people are more desensitized than they were when we were, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's like a, if it's an age thing where like, like I definitely, as a thirteen-year-old, would have gone to see something like Saw if I could get into an R-rated movie, you know, which did happen. Uh, not Saw in particular, but you know, I wonder. But now I would just definitely never. It would never even be on my radar, and if it was, I would have no interest whatsoever. But I don't know if that's age that's true, or if actually. that's a cultural thing. Where like it's, I don't know if that kind of. This is how little it's on my radar. I don't know if that genre of film is even being made anymore. Um, That's a good point yeah. because I definitely watched a couple of the Saw movies and was very interested in watching them and kind of regretted that I watched them, but I watched them and now I would right. never. But yeah, so yeah. Right. And as a kid, I definitely did not like horror films in general either. But now I do like certain types of like psychological horror and like, spooky ghosty type shit but not so much like blood and gore shit all right i'm i'm gonna jump in and i'll move it around jump into dominate uncertainty is a funny thing in our lives and i think it's important to reflect on that sometimes especially on how uncertainty interacts with our present actions in time we'll look back on this message with fondness for the start of something that shaped our lives shame for having let slip to the reins Chagrin for our naivete, naivete, fuck, uh, naivete, <laughs> naivete, um, gratitude for the experience or compassion for the younger optimist, or we won't look back at all. What it will be is, as I sit on this train, unknowable. Uncertainty doesn't only look forward. It also peers back. It gazes out from our current moment and pieces together a questionable path through that fading dream. Sinew and scar force us to admit the shape in the distant mist was us and that we got here from there. But we only see there with our current eyes and through a thick bed of fog. Having posited that there is nothing but uncertainty ahead of and behind us on this temporal path, I rejoice. It has always been that way and always will. I'm on this train and that is all I can really know for sure. I can make pretty likely guesses about a lot of other things and some version of me and some version of you may or may not believe them to have come true. It's hard. It's really hard to know whether you're looking back on something like the Saw movies. Like, 
we can't tell from here whether it was an age related interest or it was I, I mean i think there's a fairly lo- likely component of that in my sense of myself and what growing up has been been and has felt like but we don't really know cuz that through that path and to this emotional state is the only way we have ever gone. Mm. It's, I agree. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to, you really only retain like it's the, the fog analogy is good. It's also a little bit like, there's some things that are like the overall picture is foggy, but then you get glimpses of things that feel really clear. And you're like, you know, you identify mm-hmm. with that and say like, uh, you know, d- draw a through line and say to yourself, well, that's why I'm this way, or that's why I'm that way, or that's why these things turned out to be true or not. And still it's impossible to say, you know, what exactly uh, the what exactly that foundation even was. I mean, you know, we're only like 30, you know, um, 20 years ago. I don't have an inkling of what it's like to be 10 year old Jim anymore. No, no idea. Like I have some vague memories of my experiences and the feelings of certain of those events. But it's like. It's very hard to know know what's real. Yeah, and I honestly think most of the time when people like look back and do that exercise and say, "Oh, I am this way because of that." Like maybe it says something about me, but most of the time I just feel like they're bullshitting. They're just saying a thing well, to say a thing. Well, I think it's also a useful a useful tool to give yourself some clarity, right? I mean, trauma it definitely affects people throughout their lives and they usually don't know it until someone points it out but that's something that happens to you when you're younger than you are now and it's still affecting you yeah i think trauma is a, a one that that does jump out as like okay uh pretty uh, we have a pretty uh you know a relatively comprehensive understanding on the psychology side of like what trauma can do to people and it's definitely being talked about you know publicly a lot more now i'm really curious about like the impact of just all the neutral shit that mostly happens on a daily basis you know <laughs> like not bad things not like good memories or just like totally neutral like things that you don't remember and it's like don't have a you know an impact on say like future depression or physical or mental health or something just like who was i when i was 10 you know i think also there's i think about this a lot like but this idea of um maybe not having perfect access to how we're affected by things um not just in the past but in in present moment as well i think about this a fair a fair bit like both for myself and in other people, you know, we all make 
guesses, basically, which seem really informed oftentimes about why we're feeling a particular way. Um, but I don't think we really have perfect access. Um, I, I mean, I know we don't have perfect access. There's a classic psychology study where people will show um, there's something called binocular suppression where you can suppress an image in one eye um, by an image in another eye. So people will like suppress, so psychologists have suppressed a picture of a naked person and you can look at someone's skin conductance response and there's an automated internal response. There's a skin conductance response to the naked picture that's not perceived by the person. And then you can ask a person, why did you like, oh, you have a heightened arousal state. Why did you have a heightened arousal state to a picture of say the control image is a hammer? Um, and they're like, oh, well, when I was a kid, I, or I was hammering a few days ago and I hit my f finger and it hurt. So I had an arousal response. You know, we have ideas about what the state we're in is affected by in the present moment. Um, and we don't have perfect access to that information. There's a lot of uncertainty even there. Who knows? And we make guesses and that's useful. Like I didn't sleep enough last night. I'm hungry. Um, whatever it is, we can make guesses and they can be useful and they can help us. And sometimes they're right, but sometimes yeah. they're not. I mean, that's how I think that's yeah. like a product of how our like system works. Like the reason that we are so successful and the reason that we are able to cobble together what to our experience, as far as I can tell, as reflected in those around me and my sense is continuous, is that we are constantly filling in a tremendous amount of imagined detail humans do tend to fill in the gaps like two d4s ass like to ass D4s. ass to ass i'm pretty <laughs> sure now that upon reflecting on that i'm pretty sure i've heard that thought it was the funniest thing and it's actually i think it was two d4s ass to ass but you're trying to make a d6 said, but it's not no it's not even. It's he was trying to explain a different polyhedron that he wasn't describing, and I thought it was so funny. But now I'm like, oh, it's actually wrong. That's humor, though. I mean, most of humor is just exact something exaggerated. Like when you try to like break down, uh, you know, make a joke literal, it never really translates. Is that why robots can't be funny? It is a joke, Jordy. <laughs> oh, well, did you, because robots don't know how to exaggerate? Oh, humor is so, mm, it's really such a fun thing that we do, right? Like, it. Subverting expectations. Yeah, it's, you know. It's fun. It's, you, sharing, sharing humor, I think, is, like one of the strongest signals that you understand the way somebody's my somebody else is perceiving the world. And I think part of the reason that it makes us feel so good is that the only way we know what it is to experience the world is through reflections on of ourselves in those around us like uh, my idea of what a life is is based on the observations i have made over an entire ha first you know 
part of a life about what a life is by watching other people do life things. Say life again. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah, we, I was just yeah. thinking about that, that pulp yeah. fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Got to add that to the... To Kid tested, mother approved. <laughs> Say life again. <laughs> Living, <laughs> do you do you live it? <laughs> English. <laughs> life, motherfucker. Uh, title. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was. Title. I was actually life, quick life segue. Mother bleeper. <laughs> do, you, I, um, do you live it? I was actually thinking about that movie today because I was like, is Jules, Samuel Jackson's character, the kind of person who would actually have a wallet that says bad motherfucker on it? Because I was like, hmm. I was like, is that him? But I'm like, I feel like it is him. I feel like it is. <laughs> I feel yeah. like it is because the 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 uh, wanderer is who he becomes, right? Yes. And he, he's a man who loves pageantry. But also, I think even as a wanderer, you would still have the wallet that says "bad motherfucker" on it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to walk the earth. Fair. So uh, it's been a hour thirteen. Do we got final thoughts, everybody? Robots. I like that conversation. <laughs> Despite yes, yeah, it was more weird. about uncertainty than robots, but I think it went cool place i, I think that's too. fine you know one of the most popular uh podcasts currently is the uh the unofficial um uh it's always sunny in philadelphia podcast which is like as official as an unofficial podcast gets because it has the actors and writers on it um but that's one of the most popular uh podcasts going right now and each episode is supposedly about a single episode each and they're just like running through each individual episode and sometimes they don't even get to talking about the episode so wow if they can do it so can we we can have a topic and not necessarily focus on it <laughs> i love it i mean it's it tied in though like i, I that's it did. that's what i i like that I about agree. it right like it's same because like we don't actually have that much to say about like like news about robots like we you know no and i don't think that's that interesting right but but i think speculating on where robots are going to be like it's interesting exactly but also like what it means to like make inferences and like be able to adapt to those like it wasn't explicitly stated but i think that our conversation around like perception and response like it ties into that the topic person mm-hmm. yeah so like when you have something like i mean they they talk about this a lot in the whole journey of a uh, data in star trek of like he has a perfect recollection of everything that he's ever experienced right yeah like a really really advanced robot i mean it's a bad word when you're referring to an android people he's sentient life okay um what has that changed about a person if you have perfect recollection? I mean, there is data about that, right? There's like a condition, a quote unquote condition that like some people have where they just have like perfect recall of everything. No, I'm going to say no, there isn't. 
Do you think that's a bullshit thing? Because yeah. I've definitely heard about that before. <laughs> like, someone's like, what were you doing on May 3rd, 2018? And they're like, well, it was 75 and really warm for spring, apparently. Uh, and <laughs> rainy, <laughs> you know, like... If it's I real, w- people have memories like that. Uh, very rarely, of course, but people have them. And they have a hard time with short-term memory because they build up so much long-term memory to the point where they 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 find it hard to function how many gigabytes of data can the human brain hold wow. can you quantify that <laughs> how much data can the human brain hold just like in the memory part i mean it's but what is a memory un- though unconvertible bits yeah it might be convertible, but part of the magic of the human brain is is sort of like a, like compression and recreation. So like what's like you sort of rehallucinate something when you recall it um, to to a degree, and you also don't you don't store not everything is stored about a memory. Yeah, I mean memory isn't my specialty, but. Except, um, like, where did I last see my wallet? I wish I could remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I have vague hallucinations, hallucinations about where I like kind of had it, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I am filled with many hallucinations about where my wallet is. <laughs> Nevertheless, I cannot lay my hands on it. But it allows us to create like really rich experiences. Um, like our memory can be really rich, um, even if what's it's being drawn from is a much more uh, sort of sparse um, set of data that yeah. would be representable in a very lit- a potentially small amount of space or kilobytes yeah Yeah. the part the part about that that really freaks me out is that you know you re-hallucinate that thing and it's sort of like a a, a, an imprint like sort of a a leftover uh, sort of stain on your memory and you can sort of reinvigorate that state you can eject some color back into that stain but what's wild to me is the idea that the process of reinvigoration re-encodes it. So like you, right. when you remember something, when you remember, like how you are feeling when you remember it, all of that, like that gets left on the image as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's wow. super. And I have like, I've been observing this thing. It, it, oh my God. We're so meta. We're using our brain to speculate about our brains. Um, I like, <laughs> I've been experiencing this thing as I'm like... I am just made up of stardust. I'm made up of stardust. Jerking off. Yes. Not currently, <laughs> Joe. Jesus Christ. I know. Oh, wait. We're what? in the middle of a podcast, <laughs> Tyler, don't I'm shame me. I'm cutting that out, by the way. I'm cutting that out. I thought it was like a fan or something. I've been dying for the past <laughs> month now recording this podcast. I haven't been able to get off a single time. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. And yeah, I just need like two more minutes. Two more minutes, guys. I got really nervous when Blake was like, we should make it a short one. I was like, I'm edging. (laughs) (laughs) No, so, but like, yeah. Uh, I've been experiencing this thing where like as I get older, 
I like. I, it takes longer. T- Sorry, I'm cutting all this God out. Damn it! No, don't all cut right, this all out. Start again. This is all I'm hysterical. Not cut this, out. this is funny. This is good content. This is, the, this is what the people want. Get <laughs> <laughs> your people going. Okay, I'm moving on. Uh, no, so verbal descriptions of cum shots. Uh, that's that's my second album. <laughs> um, forthcoming. God. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! I didn't even know that was accidental. <laughs> no, so the thing I've been experiencing is like I don't know if it's because like the the volume of input has increased, like so there's more experiences to experience things, or if I'm lying to myself more as I'm getting older, or if this is just a thing that comes with getting older, is that uh, I'm experiencing more like triggers in life where I like get a vivid memory of something that I haven't remembered in a decade or whatever. You know, like, remember a conversation or remember, like, oh, I've, I've seen this. Like, oh, I remember this. And then it just, like, cascades a bunch of, like, other memories related to it. And it's weird. Because, like, you think, like, you get, you, when you get older, like, your memory gets worse, right? But, like, you know, the, the past couple of years I've been experiencing that more and more where I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, this is a thing that happened seven years ago. And... Uh, I was wearing this shirt and um, my wife looked like this. Oh, we weren't married yet. That's right. It was seven years ago. This and that, you know, like, cool. It's like, yeah, I like, I like it, but I'm also like, I don't trust those memories. I'm like, is that, am I filling in a whole lot of gaps here? Like, I don't know. That's a pretty foggy image to just be like suddenly. To have suddenly clarified. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's odd, but I also wanted to tie that to, some of what Joe's thing, uh, Joe was saying, um, that like, it's also interesting how you can take those, that, those experiences and like your feelings about them, you know, the fact that it's foggy and in the past and, um, use it to move forward. Generate an entirely different hallucination. Yeah, generate a whole new Both le- now and for but later. you, like, you're reflecting on memories and then writing a note to our friend Tyler, right? And you made, like, in a piece of art, you know? Like, a, you made a creative thing. It was, like, it wasn't just explicit writing down the tech specs of something. Like, you wrote a creative, nice-sounding yeah. thing with words reflecting on yeah, experiences. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to communicate like I was, but not like not with the words. Factually. Yeah. Or, you know. Not with the with definition. With the word. Yeah. We know. Words, we got it. You know? Let's go. Like but yeah, I just think that's really odd, you know, and it's cool to um see experiences become something tangible and shareable like that. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean in the right. form of stories but, sometimes. And even, like, yeah, I often tell stories that are just, like, you know, not meant to be, this is what I experienced. But, like, you know, you add some flavor to, like, get a point across. Spicy stories. Yeah, spicy. Narrative umami. <laughs> I, I do have to go, guys, though. I um, I have an early day yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, we got to. I got to. Yeah, let's wrap it up. We got to do <laughs> <laughs> what do you want something do you want to say something before you go blake uh yeah um final sentence um i think it's time now to 
start a savings for a future personal robot. Nothing profound, that's all. And also, actually, I'll, I want to say this. I think if Saw came out today, I would have watched Saw 1 and not watched the sequels. Someday I want to build a farm bot. Someday I'm going to build a farm bot. We are in the process, currently in the process of a tremendous shift in human memory in that the amount of information that can be verified by personal records is exploding in a way that I have no idea is going to uh, about which I have no idea I don't know how it's going to shake out I currently have a rental car uh, because my my, uh, my previous my, my real car is in the shop Right. Um, I've had two in the past couple weeks, one of which I'm retaining until the car is fixed. But I accidentally ended up last week with a 2020 Camaro for the cost of what I was supposed to get, like a midsize sedan, which is pretty cool. Poor visibility. But today I picked up my new rental for uh, for the remainder of this time. And it is a Dodge Charger. And I've <laughs> got to say, honestly, like I, I like with the Camaro, I was like, ah, sports cars, like who gets these? Like this is not practical in any sense, like at all. It's not very, it's like comfortable to sit in, but you can't see very well. Like the car is giant. Like where the hell are the corners? Dodge Charger? Uh, resounding thumbs up. Like I would consider getting a Charger as a car that I drive. I wouldn't because it's not practical for my lifestyle. But if I was looking for like a car of that size, it's pretty sick. It's comfortable. It's uh, speedy when you need it to be. And uh, great visibility. It doesn't sit right on the ground like most uh, like performance type of vehicles. It's pretty great. So this is my, uh, this is my uh, endorsement of Dodge Chargers. <laughs> 